Now, if for some reason you don't know, Of Music and Men is a story. This podcast is produced as broken up segments of full episodes, and this is the start of episode three. Well, the collection of podcast episodes that together will make up episode three. Of course, you know how this works. Now, you get more here on the podcast than you would with the book and the audiobook. And it's a slightly different experience than you will get with the television show. With that said, if this is your first time here, it'd be best if you went back to the beginning so you'll have a better understanding of the characters, the world, and the format I'm using to put this podcast together. Just scroll down or up in your podcast app and start at episode 1.1. Now remember to support the musicians. Their contact info is always linked up in the show notes, so you shouldn't have a problem finding it. And I always give them credit after every episode. If you do decide to become a patron, which is on our Patreon page, I'll give you some info on that in a sec. But I highly recommend that you do become a patron because not only do you get the episode early, but I often include free downloads for the music included for your convenience. Just go to patreon.com slash of music and men to sign up. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash of music and men. And lastly, of music and men is available in its novella format right now. At least episodes one and two are available. I've written them all, but you know, things take time to put out. <laughs> but anyway, episodes one and two are available. So just go to our website at ofmusicandmen.com to get your copy. And now, on with the show. In very few places are there true equal playing fields. Sure, we'd like to think that talent or intelligence or some special skill is the thing that will get us where we want to go and make us who we ought to be. But it's something like the God particle, that thing that weaves itself between every decision, every step, and every breath, putting us right in the path of where we need to be every time. So at the beginning of every year, we sit down to watch the biggest game in American pro sports, the Super Bowl. The two best teams from each conference square off. And whether one of these teams has our hearts or not, it's always still fascinating to have watched them navigate their way through the gauntlet of opponents to make it to this promised land, so to speak. But here's the thing. No matter which two teams are left at the end of the year, there's almost always a debate about whether, exactly, those were the two best teams. Because sometimes, those last two teams left out of the 32 in the league and the fraction of that that makes it to the playoffs are not the best two. They are simply the ones that made it to the goal. 
So what are they? Lucky? No, it's not that much luck in the world. Sure, maybe they had one or two breaks along the way, but you know what they say about luck. That's just opportunity meeting preparation. So even with a break, they'd have to be close enough for a blown call or a drop ball to even matter. I don't buy the luck argument. So is it cheating that got them there? This is the worst excuse of all because that would be too elaborate of a scheme to concoct. Okay, yeah, we know Russia is known to help people cheat from time to time, but really, what could be gained from that for a sports team? Not buying the cheating argument because, and again, Russia not considered here, it almost always comes from the losers. So if it's not pure talent and is not pure luck and is not cheating, then what is it? If you know me, then you know my story. I've been focused and working toward my dream my entire life, it seems, trying to get to where I want to be. But careers in entertainment don't have a blueprint or a set strategy. Some people get there at 20, while others don't make it until they're 50, sometimes older. If we say that all of them have equal talent, then what is it? I listen to all the great speakers, from Les Brown to Elizabeth Gilbert, from Lewis Howes to Oprah Winfrey, and pretty much everybody in between. I listen to their strategies, tips, how-tos, courses, masterclasses, which are all intended to guide you toward not necessarily just a successful career, but a successful life. The consensus belief is that keeping the right mindset is the most important thing you can do. It sort of goes with that old adage, if you believe you can, you're right. If you believe you can't, you're also right. Maybe none of this is the thing, or maybe all of it is. In sports, they call it the intangibles. Sometimes this means your attitude, leadership ability, intelligence, heart, you know, the stuff you can't really measure, but they can be force multipliers, something that causes a ripple effect and makes any and everybody around you better. So you've got the strategies and courses and tips, the positive mindset thing going on, and then you throw in the intangibles. Of the two teams left standing at the end, are we to believe that the victor must have all of this or maybe more of it than the runner-up? Here's the answer. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody has your answers. Because the thing is, there is no strategy to this. There is no map or blueprint or guide to show us every step we need to take in order to be who and where we ultimately want to be. That's the difference between sports and life. In sports, only one can win. In life, we all can win. I'm learning that the best fuel to put into your tank every day is whatever kind you need that will keep you going until the next day. And when the next day comes, fill up again 
until the next day comes. Because chances are, even if you know where you want to go, there's no straight shot to get in there. The road is far more winding, bumpy, and just plain longer than you will ever have anticipated. And that's okay. You can slow down. You can even pause for a moment to catch your breath. But when it comes to getting where you want to go, the only strategy you need is to just keep going. I'm Kayana Ebony Brown, and this is a story of music and men. In basketball, there's two guards, a center, and two forwards. In baseball, it's three outfielders, four infielders, a catcher, and a pitcher. In football, there are 11 on offense, 11 on defense, and 11 on special teams. In music, the team is made up quite similarly. And the only difference between the teams in sports and those in music is that in music, they all have the ball at the same time. Okay, so you have A&R, that stands for Artists and Repertoire, which is probably the most glamorous position on the team. Now, these are the folks that go out and discover talent and then oversee the creative direction for the artist's projects. New media, they take care of everything considered new media, as opposed to old media. So that includes everything concerning, well, the internet. And believe it or not, music videos are considered a form of new media, so they oversee promoting those as well. Publicity, contrarily, works with old media, landing local and national newspaper features, interviews and album reviews, radio and TV interviews and appearances. Now, obviously, there's overlap between new and old, given the rise of blogs and online newspapers, which may blur the department line. And artists often have their own publicists for a more personal approach that works with the label's department in these efforts. Promotion takes care of the radio airplay and promotional efforts, such as contests and giveaways. The sales department works closely with the label's distribution company and oversees retail and sales activity for the label's projects. The art department handles designs of products, advertising, and press materials. Marketing makes the unique plans for all of this, respective to each project the label is going to release. And then there's business affairs, which takes care of the books, finances, and payroll. They're the money people. Last, you have legal, which handles, well, legal stuff. Now, this team makes moving a finished project from the computer to the consumer a seamless process. At least, that's the way it was designed in the beginning. But like in sports, the idea is to have a bunch of positions working in concert, all focusing on their area of expertise in order to facilitate a specific goal, winning. 
Now, for us though, things work a little bit differently. First of all, the team is a whole lot smaller. And the playbook? So, what's the next move? Because, I mean, I have some ideas, but TK started. Now, TK had a room in her place dedicated to music, just like I had in mine. But hers was devoted more to production and recording rather than just business. She lived in a small, semi-detached row house in an area of the city technically called Benning Ridge, but unofficially known as Simple City. For perhaps obvious reasons, but to spell it out, I believe it got its nickname because of its past notoriously simple-minded violent reputation. But like most other parts of the city, things were getting better in terms of safety, but this area was just taking its time in its transition. With just a couple more days left before she was no longer a professional educator, TK's decision to leave her job teaching high school history was already proving it'd have its pros and cons in the present day. It might ultimately affect the how and why of the immediate future. Among the pros, well, she was thinking about her career with more of a strategic business mindset, something she generally didn't do with much detail. But among the cons, what's, what's this? I asked, reading what looked like some kind of manifesto or detailed mission statement sitting on her desk. She picked it up so I could no longer continue reading it and dropped it into a file cabinet, apparently one that had no distinctive order to its filings. Uh, it's, it's nothing, she said. And then realizing that although I would accept this answer, but not really buy that lie, she decided to reveal... It's just some ideas I have about what this neighborhood needs and what we can do to get better opportunities for essential resources around here. I mean, come on. Do you know that there's only one grocery store in this whole damn ward? Like, seriously, she asked rhetorically. She could have gone on and on about this topic because she actually had before, but... She held back and just said, uh, Anyway, um, they asked me if I would speak at the next town hall, so, you know, I've been preparing some ideas for that, too. Yes, this is a con. Now, don't get me wrong, I love TK's activism. Her somewhat social stance, coupled with her knowledge of history and her willingness to fight for civil rights and social justice, is part of what makes her art so exceptional. But it's also part of what continuously vies for her time. Time that she could be using for more, honestly, capitalistic pursuits. Look, the thing is, she is incredibly intelligent, articulate, and assertive enough when she has to be in order to get what she wants. And people know that. So this wasn't the first time she had been pulled into leading a battle that, quite frankly, she was ill-equipped to fight but she found it difficult to say no to bleeding hearts. So, okay, sure, I admire her activism, and even more so as I happened to glance up at the huge poster of Muhammad Ali hanging on the wall behind her, seemingly overlooking us. But as a business owner, was I excited about the creator of my primary product right now being constantly distracted, even if that distraction was altruistic in its nature? 
<sighs> I sighed and kept those thoughts to myself. Just the discussion of it alone would not prove to be fruitful. She was sitting behind a self-customized desktop with extra everything for more power and speed and two flat panel monitors that only showed audio files. Tongue-like, a CD quickly slid out from a recorder. She quickly grabbed it and pointed it at me, not bothering to put it in a case. <laughs> Dude, why are you still using CDs? I asked, looking at the CD in her hand for a moment. I actually didn't want to take it because, despite being a purist and avid collector of vinyl, I actually hated physical objects when it came to music. Look, I know. <laughs> but there's really no need for me to have this CD when she could have just uploaded the music and sent me the link. I mean, but she kept her hand extended, waiting for me to take it, not bothering to answer my question. So, reluctantly, I took the CD and slid the naked disc into my bag. And then she finished her thought. I say, do as many shows as we can, hit college radio, get local press, show my face as much as possible. I just stared at her without saying a word, waiting for the quote-unquote ideas she said she had. Dude, that's not an idea. That's the literal definition of insanity, I said to her. It worked last time. I mean, she tried defending. My eyebrows immediately went up, taking the place of me actually coming out and asking, are you kidding me? Look, yeah, we did some overseas shows, had some decent play with the videos, and we sold a lot of singles. And don't forget the press. Yeah, I got some, I got some good press. Yeah, but if barely selling 5,000 units constitutes working, then we really need to redefine what the word working actually means. Although it may not be the first place you think of when music comes to mind, a city like D.C. has its upsides. As one of the most occupationally diverse places in the world, it's never hard for me to gain the insight I need on those rare occasions when Google just ain't enough. I requested some time with my friend and mentor, January Abrams. So she had her assistant invite me to her office on Connecticut Avenue with a scheduled hour-long allotment of her time. Kenya, she said with excitement, flashing a smile that I've literally seen stop cars before. She got up from her desk to meet me with both a hug and kiss on both sides of my face. Her assistant, who was much taller standing than she appeared before she stood up, had walked me into the office and disappeared back out before I could even thank her for the coffee she'd fixed during my brief stint waiting. It's been what, six months? January asked. No, that was last year when we had lunch. No, it has not been that long. She exclaimed in disbelief. Please, have a seat, kiddo. She directed me to the sofa sitting in the middle of the floor across from her desk. I untangled my messenger bag and placed it on the floor gingerly, although it still made a thump. Damn, what you got in that thing? She asked, probably not really expecting an answer. But I replied anyway, my life. And she got the joke, although it actually wasn't a joke. 
Um, it's just my computer, a couple hard drives, music, you know. And she smiled and shook her head. It was a smile of delight. One she gave me often, almost every time I said something that reminded her, perhaps, of herself at one point in her life. January was a 40-something mixed-race transplant from London who came to New York when she was 18 with the hopes of becoming an actor. She landed a few small jobs early on. One actually included being the love interest in a Johnny Gill video. She was wide-eyed the entire time she was on set. Not because she was in the room with her childhood crush, but because she was in awe watching how everything was coming together around her. She had always been interested in music, but more so the art, not the behind the scenes stuff. But before that video wrapped, she got the chance to talk to Johnny's manager who told her about internships at the label to which Johnny was signed. The beauty of being in New York was that the very next day, she was able to be at the office in person to fill out an application to essentially volunteer her time to learn more about how things worked. And, of course, get coffee and lunch for everyone. She never acted in another music video again. In fact, she never acted again at all. She did, however, work her way up in that record label, eventually becoming a senior VP before switching companies several times to take jobs that always came with more money, French benefits, and sexier titles. At the height of her career, January was one of the most successful and most powerful women in music reaching vice president status at the biggest music company in the world. But even she wasn't immune to the economic crash that plagued the music industry. So she moved on, rather reluctantly. She'd spent the past few years working in a less volatile industry, as she called it, advertising. And from the looks of her office, she was apparently doing quite well here too. I hadn't been in the place five full minutes and I was already knee deep in a story about my last visit to New York for a performance with TK. January was half sitting on the edge of her desk, hanging on to my every word. And so the show at the Apollo ended at 11, but she got invited to get on at this spot down in the village. So midnight, we're on the train from Harlem. She rocked that show too. We left there at three and had to be up at six to get to Brooklyn for this high school event the next morning. Advertising brought the stability she sought. But January couldn't forget the music, however, brought the excitement that couldn't be found anywhere else. So she lived vicariously through me. Boy, I remember those days, she said staring off into the distance, perhaps thinking of one of her own stories about long days and long nights and early mornings and no sleep, all in the name of music. But she chose to keep whatever those memories were to herself. She looked back at me, smiled, and said, So, tell me more about TK's show at the Kennedy Center. She missed the music life, so whenever I needed insight into business, she was there. Whenever she needed to reminisce, I was her girl. My hour long with her at the office bled right into the time she'd scheduled to take lunch. So she insisted that I come with her to this, quote, awesome Tex-Mex place down the street. And who am I to turn down (laughs) Tex-Mex? 
You ever have the feeling you're talking too much? Well, I got that feeling when I looked down at the table after telling another story and realizing that all of my food was still on my plate, but January's was all gone. <laughs> For a woman with such a skinny frame, she sure could eat. And the fact that her food was gone didn't stop her. She turned her attention back to the bowl of tortilla chips and salsa that was left on the table as a makeshift appetizer when we first sat down. Like I always say, I admire the shit out of what you're doing. But you know, the old music business model is just so fucking antiquated. She shook her head just thinking about how much this obviously still annoyed her. See, the reason why you're having so much trouble coming up with a marketing plan for TK is that you're going to have to totally create something new. Something that's like never been fucking done before. Minus the resources, of course. It's not impossible, just, I'm gonna be honest, it's, it's gonna be difficult as shit. She took another tortilla chip, scooped up some salsa, and bit into it. I was used to her making me wait for the knowledge she was about to impart, so I watched, eagerly waiting, as she took her time chewing. I don't have to tell you that the traditional record label is nothing more than a bank with a fucked up marketing department. <sighs> you know that. I mean, we would shell out money like shit and expect it back with interest, she said in outrage. Sure, in return, we might help them out by putting their record in stores and getting them on fucking BET or MTV or some shit. But you, my dear, don't have the luxury of doing that with your artists. But I don't believe you need to. Believe it or not, you are in the perfect position right now because... I listened without interruption, to January's opinion about what my next play should be. She didn't use a sports analogy, but the gist of her advice to me was, I was in the game. I just needed to figure out how to score. Fortunately, she had a few tips on how I could do that. So I finally got the chance to eat my lunch because she talked until that entire bowl of chips was gone. The waiter a cute Mexican guy with tattoo sleeves up his arms and a glossy mohawk, brought the check and flashed me a smile before he walked off. Ooh, he is cute. Short as hell, but still cute. Won't you say something? She asked, smiling teasingly. <laughs> say something like, what? I asked as I picked up the check to see what the damage would be. But before I could get a good look at it, January snatched it from me. Don't worry about it, kid. My treat. Picking up the checkbook was my way of, at least, showing effort. I had never paid for a single thing while out with January, and she wasn't going to have me start today. Look, you want to do something for me? Stand to my right as we walk out. Now, she had it all planned out, play-by-play, -play, X's and O's, hand signals, secret words even. I had been recruited to play the position of wingman, or wing woman, I suppose. Unbeknownst to me, she had spotted him when we came in. The table she requested opposite the window was a move made for positioning. And now, during that first bathroom break was when she made herself noticed to him. A clean-cut man in his early 40s in business casual attire, sitting alone. 
Now, as we prepared to leave, she'd already timed the waiter's exit from the back so that she could use me to intercept his last drink as she approached him from the blind side. Excuse me, she said, making her presence known. Um, my friend here and I were <laughs> trying to figure out where we know you from. Were you at the Minority Business Leaders Conference last year? He said he wasn't, but that he was, in fact, a business owner. Ice cream parlors. I didn't even know they still called them parlors. January told him that maybe that's where she knew him from because I love ice cream. Now, it played out as if scripted, and it felt honestly about as hackneyed as a Katherine Heigl movie, but five minutes in and they were exchanging phone numbers with plans to talk again. Me? I could only stand back and watch in awe. episode of Of Music and Men was written and produced by me, Kayana. Now, most music for this episode was provided by Filmstro, arranged and designed for this episode by yours truly. This song is Weightless by Liquid. And the music for your word of inspiration is Hireth by Scott Buckley. For more information on these artists and how you can support their efforts, just visit our show notes in your podcast app or go to ofmusicandmen.com and select this episode. Now, if you would like to have your music featured on the show, check out our website for more information on how you can submit. Now, of Music and Men, of course, you know, is so much more than just a podcast. The novella series is available in online bookstores And if you wish to have yourself a physical copy, you can get it on our website at ofmusicandmen.com where you can also get t-shirts and other kinds of cool merch. (laughs) Now, don't forget to subscribe at Apple, Stitcher, or wherever it is you prefer to listen to your podcasts. And remember to rate and review. Gotta rate and review and gotta subscribe. So subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think. And lastly... Please connect with us on Patreon, where you can become part of this project and its journey and help it to grow into everything that it was meant to be. Make sure to share this. This is probably the last thing, but it's probably one of the most important things. So please make sure to share this some way, somehow with at least one friend and follow Of Music and Men everywhere online at Of Music and Men. And when you do, don't hesitate to reach out. Artists and entrepreneurs are a very unique type. We face lots of rejection, almost too often for comfort. So whether you're a seasoned business owner or creator, aspiring to be one, or you're simply just here to hear a great story, I always want to leave you with something to ponder until next time. 
Today's words are from Colin Kaepernick. Obstacles don't have to stop you. If you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how to climb it, go through it, or work around it. Now, this is probably one of the most self-explanatory quotes that I've ever done on this show. And it couldn't apply to what I'm doing uh, more aptly, I'd have to say. Um, now, with the Music and Men, if you've been following this journey, which I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably have, you'll know that I've been working on this project um, alone for the, for the better part of it for years now, trying to get it to where I want it to be. And when I started out, the goal was scripted half an hour drama comedy television series. That was the goal, scripted half an hour drama comedy television series. And since then, there have been so many scripted drama comedy half an hour television series that aren't mine. And, you know, it's gotten to a point where I have to just be fine with what the universe is is, or the places that the universe is taking me and positions I'm being put in because it is difficult to continuously look and see other things popping up doing exactly what I want to do but as Colin Kaepernick's words say try to find another way in uh, find a way around it find a way over it find a way through it so for me this podcast is actually a part of that those novellas are actually a part of that No, no none of those are the TV show just yet I had some obstacles that I had to overcome or have to overcome in pursuit of that. And that's quite all right. It's part of the journey Uh, because all of those TV shows that I told you about that have come about since of music and men uh, was conceived in my mind. They don't have novellas. They don't have podcasts. And hopefully by the time we get on TV, the goal is by the time we get on TV, there's this great audience and You're part of it from tuning in and listening here. But there will be this great audience that comes along with us that will make it just that more successful than it would have been five years ago or even seven years ago when this project came to mind. So keep those words in mind as you move forward with whatever it is that you're doing in your life. 